Welcome, everybody. It is great to be back. Thanks to Luke and to Pat, who filled in for me while I was gone. And just so much to talk about, starting with an incredibly consequential appeals court ruling. And that's where we will start today. Just moments ago, an appeals court has ruled that Donald Trump is not immune in his 2020 election interference case. So much riding on this claim from the failed former president that the facts and the elements do not matter. All that matters is that as the former president, he was immune at the time, no matter what he did. This is the immunity argument. I have absolute and total immunity or whatever he liked to say. And a court has said no. NBC News reporting a federal appeals court on Tuesday rejected Donald Trump's broad claim. And it was broad that he is immune from prosecution for alleged criminal acts he committed as president in trying to overturn the 2020 election in a chain of events that led to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Trump will almost certainly immediately appeal to the Supreme Court in a bid to prevent the trial from going ahead as scheduled in March. The Supreme Court could make a quick decision on whether to hear the case and could fast track any ruling. The three judge panel of the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for D.C. ruled there was no basis for Trump to assert that former presidents have blanket immunity from prosecution for any acts committed as president. Remember, this is only one of four criminal prosecutions Trump faces as he remains the ever more presumptive frontrunner for the Republican primary nomination. A key issue is whether the trial can take place ahead of the election. Special counsel Jack Smith has asked for the court to move quickly to keep this all on uh, um, uh, on schedule. And also it's more than just on schedule. It's voters to some degree want to know what the outcomes will be of some of these cases, because polling shows us that their opinion about how they will vote to a great degree depends not just on the trials happening, but on the outcomes. And what I mean by that is that 80 percent of the country isn't sure they would vote for Trump if he were to be convicted or to put it a different way. Only 20 percent of the country is sure they would vote for a convicted Donald Trump. So not only I mean, you know, we it's important not to overstate or understate the importance of any issue in this political space. It's hard to overstate the significance of these trials, because not only does the 2024 election rely on them, but Trump's political life based on his age also relies on these trials. And is it fair to say that Trump's life overall depends on these trials in the sense that any convictions are potentially going to put Trump in prison for what would likely be the rest of his life based on his age and based on his health. So Trump fighting for his political life and his life as a free man. And it is now going to I mean, we knew this was a probability it's now likely going to come down to the Supreme Court. You are going to hear all sorts of speculation about what the Supreme Court would likely do. Some of the opinions about what the Supreme Court might do rest on a Supreme Court where three justices were picked by Trump is not going to take an action that is going to put Trump closer to a prison cell. Therefore, the Supreme Court is likely to rule Trump had immunity. Uh, I am not at all convinced that that is what we are going to see, because we have simply not yet seen that the Supreme Court is definitively and brazenly willing to protect Trump to that degree. However, I also don't believe that this is a Supreme Court that's going to throw Trump under the bus. Now, the question is, what does that look like when it comes to immunity? I don't know yet. And based on this ruling, we now are going to see all sorts of legal opinions come in over the next 24 hours. We'll probably talk more about that tomorrow. But at least for now, short of the expected appeal to the Supreme Court, very bad news for a Trump who was appealing to the idea that it doesn't matter what I did. 
It doesn't matter what you have evidence of. It doesn't matter what crimes you allege I committed. It doesn't matter because I was immune. An appeals court now saying, no, sir, you weren't. Republicans are now threatening to block the very bill they negotiated to try to solve some of the problems at the border they claim exist. This is the latest reminder that these people do not have principles or values that matter more than political expediency. Later in the show, we're going to dive into the MAGA element of this, which is MAGA Republicans aren't thrilled with the idea of going forward with this border bill because it would be number one, solving a problem without Trump as part of the solution. That's not good for MAGA and also taking away a boogeyman that Trump can use if he gets back into the Oval Office. So let's discuss NBC News reports. Senate Republicans threatened to block border security bill they negotiated. This is the bill they wanted. They got concessions from Joe Biden and Democrats. And now they're saying, hey, we'll block this bill. This was the bill you wanted. What are you talking about? Uh, This is described by NBC as a striking turn of events. Senate Republicans threatened Monday yesterday to block a major bipartisan package of border security measures and asylum restrictions just one day after their chief negotiator signed off on it. Republican senators left a special, it's all special, special closed door meeting in the evening, predicting that their party would not provide enough votes to move forward with the package Wednesday, saying they agreed they needed more time to discuss changes to the bill in the form of amendments. James Lankford is quoted here. Lankford is increasingly drawing the ire of maggots. We'll get to that later as well, saying, quote, I would anticipate Wednesday the cloture vote does not pass. People are saying, hey, I need a lot more time to be able to go through this. It's also just so funny that the very Republicans who never care to even read bills now say, well, it's so many pages. We just I don't know. We need time. And uh, it's just not really sure. Uh, The article points out Republican uneasiness could be devastating to the package. It could make it a very flaccid package, I think, is the point they're making, which House Republicans, House Republican leaders have already said is dead on arrival in the lower lower chamber. Proponents hoped that strong bipartisan support in the Senate could force the House's hand. And here is the critical element. Donald Trump is demanding that Republicans sink the agreement as Trump seeks to wield immigration as a political weapon in the fall election. Here's so this could apply to so many different issues. But with regard to immigration, we've spoken quite a bit about this on the award winning bonus show. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. On many issues, there are dramatic differences between Republicans and Democrats. When it comes to immigration, there are differences, but there is a huge if you imagine a Venn diagram, what Republicans would agree to if we could depoliticize and what Democrats would agree to if we could depoliticize. The overlap there is significant on DACA. If you get Republicans behind closed doors, they mostly know we're not going to kick out people who came here at age three undocumented because their parents brought them. Their lives are here. Many of them don't even speak the language of their source country, their parents home country. We're not going to kick them out. The American people don't want to kick them out. It's not economically a good idea to kick them out. It's not ethically and morally a good idea. That's a major element that behind closed doors, Republicans and Democrats are essentially on the same page on. Is it a path to permanent residency or a path to citizenship? Okay, there's some disagreement there, but they understand we're not going to kick these at some point kids out. Now, many of them are adults, of course, working, educated here, etc. But Republicans aren't going to move forward on it. They're not going to move forward on it when Democrats control anything, the House, the Senate, the Oval Office, because it gives Democrats a win on something that is popular with the American people. Most of the American people recognize we're not going to kick them out. They were brought here. They weren't adults. They were brought here by their parents. Okay. Democrat uh, Republicans rather 
also will not move forward with fixing DACA when they are in power because they want to be able to continue wielding this as an issue indefinitely. Republican administrations have had an opportunity to do something on DACA. Republicans have had an opportunity to do something on DACA during Democratic administrations. They don't want to do it because they want to keep using this. It's sort of like did Republicans lose something with regard to abortion when Roe v. Wade was overturned for as long as Roe v. Wade is there, they can campaign against it. They can say we need to put in a president who will select Supreme Court justices that will overturn it. Well, you did it and they can raise money when Roe v. Wade is still there. Now, all of a sudden they are relegated now that they won on Roe v. Wade, they are relegated to more extreme stuff like trying to ban abortion outright, prosecute people who go to a different state to obtain an abortion where it is legal stuff that's really not popular with the American people. And since Roe v. Wade was overturned, Republicans have lost everything. They've lost referenda. They've lost elections, etc. So similarly, they don't seem to want to take the win, whether it's Democrats or Republicans in power on many elements of immigration, uh, because then they lose it as a cudgel. They lose it as a negotiating point, by the way, on the wall. I mean, listen, uh, <laughs> The wall is not the solution. The wall is absurdly expensive. The wall is again another one of these political footballs. There are many Democrats who would say, let them have the wall or some part of it if we could cross off so many of these obvious things, but they're not willing to do it. So there it is. Republicans now in the position of being close to torpedoing the very bill they negotiated to solve the very problems they claim should be the number one priority of our lawmakers. We'll see where it goes probably within, I don't know, 48, 72 hours. Fox News host Larry Kudlow apologized to his viewers that the economy under Joe Biden is good and all but came up to the line of saying it makes sense to vote Biden based on what's going on. He didn't say it, but there's very little left other than that. Now, Luke Beasley did a great job of covering some elements of this story yesterday. I want to look at a slightly different clip here. There is really a shameless nature to the apologetic tone about how good the economy is. Isn't it good that we've seen record wage growth like it? Forget about the political game. Isn't it just good for the people? Why do we have to apologize? Isn't it good that the stock market's performing well and unemployment has been low for record? I'm sorry, guys, the economy's good. I'm, I'm so sorry. The tone here is really something. Listen to this. This is, of course, after yet another blowout job re jobs report from January, extraordinary wage growth. It's just all firing on all cylinders. here. We had a blowout jobs report. More than twice the consensus expectation. Now, right. I know many of my conservative friends are trying to drill holes in this report. Right. But you know what, folks? It is what it is. It's a very strong report. Not every economic stat should be viewed through a political lens. Really? I've been in this business a very long time, and sometimes you just have to throw away the ballot box and just recognize the numbers. They are what they are. This was a very strong report. 353,000 gain in non-farm payrolls, a very big number. Prior two months revised up by 126,000. And by the way, that's a major deal too. You know, the revisions don't really make news. These are significant upward revisions. This is an extra 60. The original November and December numbers were each undercounting job creation by 63,000 jobs each of those months. That's a major deal. Big number. And the bottom line here is more Americans are working. And that is a good thing, no matter what your party registration is. Also a good thing. Worker wages continue to improve. Yep. Average hourly earnings for production workers, a.k.a. middle class, blue collar folks, they're up. Uh, 4.8 percent over the past 12 months. And you know what? Their rate of productivity, that is output per hour, a very important economic efficiency and growth indicator. Well, productivity rose 2.7 percent last year. That's a good number. 
Now, I want to focus in on a couple elements of this here. This is really, really interesting. These numbers are extraordinary for two reasons. Wage growth, 4.8 percent over the last year and rate of productivity up 2.7 percent. Let's talk about them one by one. First of all, the inflation rate over the last 12 months was about 3%. So one of the problems, one of the drag downs that we've seen on wage growth is okay. Wages have been up, but inflation has been up more. That was true for a while. We now have a situation where wage growth is outpacing inflation. It's a good number. What? Uh, accidentally, the, the clip started playing there again. When we look at wage growth outpacing inflation, we're talking about real raises. One of the favorites from Republicans when there's a Democratic president uh, and uh, wage growth is up is to say, well, wage growth is up, but what does it matter if everything costs even more? Well, inflation's been, what is it, 2.27 to or three over the last year, and wage growth is almost five. So real wages are up. You can't use that claim anymore that it's empty wage growth because it's being counterbalanced by even bigger inflation. Number two, one of the concerns among progressives like me, that's just a reference to how I guess now there are gatekeepers who say David's not actually progressive. Okay, Uh, one of the important metrics for progressives when we look at wages uh, is the question of how much has productivity gone up? Because one of the ways that the very those at the very top can extract more value from workers is, hey, we pay them five percent more, but we get 10 percent more out of them. If we were to see productivity growth of 10 percent and wage growth of five, we would say, well, it's all nice that workers are getting a little more when it comes to wages, but they are producing even more and disproportionately much of it is being taken by the capitalist to use you know, Mark Marxist terminology, which I'm a progressive, but I'm not a Marxist. We have two point seven percent productivity growth and four four point eight percent wage growth, which means that on average now you could find industries where it's not the case or you could say, well, at ABC textiles, it's not the case. But big picture productivity is up, which generates economic growth. But wages are up even more, meaning workers are getting a slightly bigger slice of that productivity gain. So this is all really good. Last few seconds here from Kudlow. Activity rose 2.7 percent last year. That's a good number. So the workforce is earning its pay hike. Plus, over the past three months, inflation adjusted real wages increased by four and a half percent. There it is. So typical working families got a nice real wage boost for it. So listen, Fox News started by denying the strong economy. They then went to, well, it's because of the expectation that Trump or whatever, you know, to to the degree that they follow Trump's lead on that. Now they're basically just apologizing. They're like, listen, we got to set politics aside. We're sorry. Like we we would love to keep making this political, but the numbers are just good numbers. So for the next nine months until the election, Let's remember, it's not just left wing media and centrist media and Democrats and Biden and the president saying that uh, things are good economically. Even former Trump advisors who are now Fox hosts are saying, hey, you know what, guys, these are good numbers and this is good for the American people. So many people in our audience have become fans of our sponsor, Ounce of Hope. Ounce of Hope is a cannabis farm that ships CBD and psychoactive THC products to your door anywhere in the US. This is federally legal THCA, THC Delta eight and nine. They have edibles. And now you can check out the brand new drink from Ounce of Hope for 2024. The Berry High five milligram THC seltzer. It's the only 16 ounce THC seltzer on the market. It's only five bucks, a price no one can beat at their cannabis farm in Memphis. Ounce of Hope sustainably raises fish to feed local homeless people. I've always thought it's a really cool operation. Besides the delicious seltzer, they have gummies, chocolate, Rice Krispie treats, caramels, topicals, oils, soft gels, you name it. Ounce of Hope grows, extracts and formulates all of these world class products in house so that you can trust the safety and quality of every product that arrives at your door. 
So whether you're looking for a little help sleeping at night, something for aches and pains, a way to unwind on the weekend, ounce of hope can help you out if you are over 21. And right now you can pick up their very high five milligram THC seltzers for five bucks each at ounceofhope.com. No one can beat that price. And aside from their drinks, you'll get 20% off everything else when you use the code Pacman. That's ounceofhope.com. Pick up one of their THC seltzers for just five bucks. Use the code Pacman to get 20% off everything else. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H-E-L-P.com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. You may remember a few years ago, uh, the show got hacked and uh, several thousand dollars were stolen. We never got it back. But now I have a lot more peace of mind because we use Aura. Our sponsor Aura is the all in one tool to protect your online and financial accounts. Aura alerts you anytime your personal info is found on the dark web or in data breaches, could be social security number, logins, financial accounts. You will get very fast alerts if a criminal does something like try to open up a bank account in your name, take out credit in your name. Aura will also monitor your bank accounts, your home and auto titles, which can help to guard against fraud. And Aura even protects your phone by letting you block and screen spam calls and texts. Aura has parental controls for your kids' devices to restrict apps, manage screen time, set focus time. You can try Aura free for 14 days at Aura.com slash Pacman. It only takes a few seconds to use the free trial to see if your username and passwords have been leaked online. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. As an independent media program, The David Pakman Show continues to be primarily funded by our viewers, by our listeners, people who listen to the podcast or who watch some YouTube clips or maybe even listen on the radio. If you're hearing me right now, you're not getting the full experience. You're getting the show with commercials. You're not getting access to the bonus show, which is an extra show that we do every day. Uh, get access to that and support the work that we do by signing up at joinpacman.com. Regular rates are eminently reasonable. Discounts are available with the coupon code Save Democracy 24. Nikki Haley is getting so many MAGA threats that she now needs Secret Service protection. Now, of course, the MAGAs are saying violent Democrats are threatening her. Why on earth would Democrats threaten a candidate destined to lose and whose presence in the Republican primary is only helping Joe Biden? CNN reports Nikki Haley requests Secret Service protection due to threats. Uh, article reads Nikki Haley has applied for Secret Service protection because of threats she is facing as the only remaining Republican presidential candidate competing with Trump. The uh, campaign didn't detail when the request was made. There were reports of two swatting incidents in recent months at Haley's home, one of which occurred while her parents were there. Remember, uh, swatting is uh, I every time I explain it, someone says, David, that's technically not exactly what it is. Swatting essentially is making calls to law enforcement with false claims meant to trigger an armed 
SWAT team or hostage rescue team to respond to a uh, location. So, for example, it would be like if you call the police and say you figure out Nikki Haley's address and you say uh, there uh, there's an active shooter holding people inside of Nikki Haley's house. You got to get there. Got to get there now. Ah, they're, they're coming after me. They're shooting me. And then you can hang up. And the idea is to gin up the most aggressive possible response from law enforcement. So then they bust the door down and if if it goes right for the swatters, uh, et cetera. That's that's the gist of it. Two such incidents have taken place. Now, I think it's really important to make it super clear. Nobody believes if you're thinking about this clearly, nobody believes that Biden supporters are going around threatening Nikki Haley, who will obviously not be the nominee. And if anything, the longer she stays in, the more money she raises now, it's good for Biden and it's bad for Trump. She's going around now criticizing the Trump cognitive decline. This is great for Joe Biden. Every dollar donated to Nikki Haley is a dollar that will not be available to be donated to Donald Trump. Do you believe for a second that Biden supporters are swatting Nikki Haley or threatening Nikki Haley? No, we're doing what I'm doing on the show, saying Nikki is great as a presence that will hurt Trump and help Biden. I hope she stays in as long as possible. Let's encourage her to stay in. I hope she keeps hammering Trump. We would have no reason aside from the fact that I don't go around threatening people in general. I want to encourage Nikki Haley to stay in. So don't fall for the allegations. Don't fall for the allegations that this is Biden supporters because that's ridiculous. Nikki Haley, if what she is saying through her campaign is true, she probably needs the Secret Service protection. I mean, these MAGA people are dangerous people. Look at what they were willing to do on January 6th, even though their guy lost to try to keep him in power. Look at the number of defendants from January 6th, the pipe bomber, all of it. Right. Uh, and by the way, I don't mean the January 5th pipe bomber. I mean, the guy with the pipe bombs a couple of years ago, the MAGA guy who they did catch and I believe has been sentenced. Um, these are actually dangerous people. And if I were Nikki Haley, I don't support Nikki Haley politically. But she almost certainly needs and deserves this protection. A so-called Christian, so-called pro-family conservative, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, appointed a guy who had sex with a 17-year-old <laughs> to an important role in the state of Arkansas. Uh, yeah, what? That's the story. LGBTQ Nation reports. She claims LGBTQ plus rights need to be restricted to protect kids, but she appointed a man who admitted to having sex with a minor to a high level position. It, this is about Jamal Jones. Sanders appointed Jamal as chairman to the Arkansas Post Prison Transfer Board in January. He resigned last Friday after news agencies reported that the Benton Police Department fired him after he admitted to an internal affairs investigation that he had sexual relations as an adult with a 17 year old girl. He was uh, placed on administrative leave until further notice because he had a sexual relationship with a teen. It apparently was oral sex. Jones said he and the girl talked at the gym. She identified herself as an 18 year old before a parking lot sexual liaison. He denied knowing her actual age, but uh, the investigation found that there was indication he knew she was 17 and continued the relationship, telling her it couldn't be found out. I do think it's important to mention the age of consent in Arkansas is 16. Uh, so technically, this is not a crime. Uh, but apparently it conflicts with some of the pro family values that uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders claims to espouse. Um, so, you know, this is this is what is so sick about these people. Number one, as long as they confess their sins and they are men of God, all is forgiven. That's that's number one. But what I care more about are the issues that Sarah Huckabee Sanders is bringing forward, claiming to have the moral majority claiming to have the ethical high ground, 
This includes, oh, we need to get rid of the books from schools to protect our kids. Very dangerous to a 17 year old high school student to see a certain book in the library. But meanwhile, I'm going to hire a guy who had sex with a 17 year old. What? What? Who? Who is it that needs to be protected here? Uh, trying to roll back protections, as Sanders did for child labor, uh, the abortion extremism, education and how we need to protect this, that, the other thing. Oh, we need to ban masks in schools and we need to ban non-existent vaccine mandates for the kids. You know, we've got to protect those kids. And then now this, um, where do we go from here when it comes to these hypocrites? I've said it before. It would be great to fix these disastrous red states. It really would be a good thing. These states are filled with good people who are being victimized by the priorities of administrations like those of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And we don't want to abandon them. And also when people call me and they say, David, I live in Arkansas. I remember a caller. I, I have a, a trans child. I don't know what to do. do. Do I leave? It feels feels wrong to cut and run. How am I going to tell people who are simply trying to do what's best for their families? No, you must stay and fix it from the inside. A lot of people don't have the resources to leave. But if you do and you've made the determination that it's a disaster in your state because of people like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, how am I going to say you're doing something wrong by leaving? Obviously, everybody can't leave. Obviously, that's not a solution at scale. But people have to do what they what they can do to protect their families. And it would make sense to me to try to escape the absurd governorship of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who, by the way, is a name that keeps floating around in the ether as either a possible Trump VP or maybe even a high ranking member of a potential Trump administration. So let's think of that when we vote in November. And let's remember that there are no greater hypocrites than exactly these people. To their credit, at least the guy Jamal Jones had to resign would have been nice to vet him initially, but at least he resigned. We'll take a very quick break and be right back. Data brokers are constantly collecting huge amounts of information about what you do online, your address, phone number, email, financial info, even your political affiliation, and they sell that information to other companies. The FBI will sometimes even buy data in bulk to get information about Americans without a warrant. Your ex-girlfriend, your boss, anyone out there can use the publicly available data on search sites to find information about you. It's super easy. And worst of all, these data broker systems get hacked all the time, which really puts your data at risk, which is why you can end up getting scam calls and emails and the whole thing. The solution to all of this is our sponsor Incogni. Incogni sends data removal requests to all major data brokers who are required by law to remove the information upon request. If any of the information stays online, Incogni will follow up about removal and Incogni keeps you updated with details every step so you know what's going on and when the info is removed. What Incogni can accomplish is amazing. I use it myself. Go to incogni.com slash Pacman and you'll get 60% off with the code Pacman. That's I N C O G N I.com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for 60% off. The link is in the podcast notes. Everything you do online can be tracked by your internet service provider, tech companies, the government, hackers, unless you use a VPN to encrypt your online activity, hide your IP, and make yourself anonymous. The VPN I use is private internet access. They are the only VPN to prove multiple times in court. They do not log your internet activity. Their stringent no log practices are independently audited by Deloitte. Private internet access has a next generation server infrastructure with IP addresses in 91 countries in all 50 states. It's one of the only VPNs fast enough for streaming video and downloading large files. Private internet access lets me access a bunch of Argentinian soccer that I otherwise wouldn't have access to. It's super easy to use. You turn it on once you forget about it. You don't need to be a computer expert. Private Internet Access has a 30 day money back guarantee, 24 seven customer support. 
and my audience gets private internet access for 83% off. This comes out to just 203 a month plus four extra months for free. Go to piavpn.com slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. A dazed and confused Donald Trump, desperate for relevance, seeking attention, trying to yell to anyone who will listen about how he's been treated so unfairly, decided to try a friendly interview with Newsmax MAGA type Rob Schmidt. Unfortunately, it did not go well. Trump extraordinarily confused and visibly disoriented during this one, once again, making up words after he gave every indication that his brain was glitching as it often does, talking about supply change. That's right. Not climate change, not the supply chain, but supply change. Take a look at this. If you're watching, pay particularly close how Trump's expression is that vapid looking into the middle distance sort of thing that happens at rallies when he glitches badly. Oh, boy. In what regard? Uh, I think it's not going to be able to function. I think it's look at even things like supply chains, things we never even heard about. You never heard that term. Everything worked. That's right. The term supply change is not one that we used to hear because Trump made it up. He apparently, uh, you know, Trump is not the most cunning linguist out there, but apparently a slick portmanteau of supply chain and climate change and Trump continuing to be very shaky cognitively during these interviews. He then was uh, asked about the border bill, which we talked about earlier. And Trump is now cynically and egocentrically claiming that the entire bill, even though it's a bill that Republicans wanted, it's a bill that Republicans negotiated. It's a bill that Republicans got a lot of what they wanted on. Trump says the bill is a trap. <laughs> it's so hard to believe this crap. And you have Republicans itching to sign off on this in the Senate. I mean, well, it's hard to believe because I think it probably would mean the end of their career. This is a. Uh, a Democrat trap. It's a trap for Republicans that huh. would be so stupid, so foolish to sign a bill like this. This bill can't be signed. And it's not only that, it's massive amounts of money going out of town, as we say, going out of town, billions and billions and billions of dollars. And uh, it's so bad on the border. I've never seen anything like it. Actually, it's one of the worst, one of the dumbest bills I've ever seen. I think it's dead, totally dead of the House. I think they have. All right. So let me tell you what this is really about. We talked about it earlier. Trump doesn't want any problems fixed when he's not in power. That's all it is. It's not good for him if indeed they fix. Now, this is a separate conversation from whether these are problems that need fixing. I'm just not. That's not the point of this segment. But Trump and some Republicans have identified supposed issues on the border. They claim everything's different under Biden than it was under Trump. We need a stat right away. We got to fix this. So if it gets fixed, or if a bill is passed and Republicans start taking credit, they start running in November. You're right. We get to the summer, we get to September, October, November, and Republicans are running on. Hey, you know what? We uh, we we got a bill done. We told Joe Biden and Democrats, here's what we need. We're going to include it in the bill. We're going to fix it. If they run on that, how can Trump simultaneously run on? Well, the border is a disaster, sir. Didn't your very own Republican colleagues get a bill through to fix this issue? It's not good for Trump for that to be the case. So that's a significant portion, a significant portion of why Trump opposes this thing. He wants to be involved in all of it. Bottom line, Trump also again weighing in during this softball interview gone wrong about our elections. He says our elections are very unsafe. Hmm. What does he mean by that? And you've got you, you have a country that's funneled millions to the Biden family that's going to meddle in this election to your disadvantage. I mean, that won't be a big story. Not that we're surprised. Well, what do I you think, do about China? I think that will happen. Yeah. Uh, I think we have to swamp them. And I think right now we are. If you look at the polls, we're beating them so badly. But we have to swamp them. Uh, China will be involved. Others will be involved, too. Our elections are very uh, unsafe. Yeah. They're not free. They're not uh, free and fair. Uh, there's so much evidence, there's so much proof. We have it all. Nobody wants to hear about it. But right. if we don't have free and fair elections and strong borders, we don't have a country. As usual, not providing any of the evidence and seemingly unwilling to give the evidence in any of those 63 lawsuits that he filed in the aftermath of the 2020 election. 
our elections are only unsafe to the degree that Trump supporters make them unsafe, to the degree that MAGA Republicans try to steal elections that they lost, and to the degree that Trump tried to remain in office even after losing to Joe Biden. That's the only lack of safety I see. It's the armed MAGAs intimidating just outside the minimum perimeter at the polling places that that's what makes these elections unsafe. OK, uh, Trump also weighing in on his polling. And uh, here's a discuss a little bit of a discussion on the primary. Just this is supposed to be an easy interview that helps Trump. It really does much the opposite. I want to talk about the the you're trying to still become the nominee at this point. It seems <laughs> pretty secure. The funniest thing would be you you're still trying to become the nominee at this point, which seems pretty insane. But no, it's it seems pretty secure, which is also true. You turned down the RNC. They were going to just effectively anoint you as the candidate. You turned that down. You, you wanted to kind of fight it out the right way. So you're still dealing with Nikki Haley. Um, what is the Nikki Haley support base in your mind? It, it feels to me that she's getting, I think, at least some financial support from people that will never vote for her. From that want to just that want to bruise you up before yeah. you get to Joe Biden. She's being supported by Democrats and by I don't even say never Trumpers. There aren't that many never Trumpers anymore, but she's being. There's actually quite a few never Trumpers, more than ever, I would argue. Supported by Democrats. And she was in New Hampshire and she was in Iowa. So in Iowa, I had the biggest election victory in the history of nobody's ever had a margin like I won. And in New <laughs> Hampshire, I had the most votes in the history of the New Hampshire primary. That's a long time. That's many, many years, right? Many decades. Many. Uh, she got trounced. She walks onto the stage, says, oh, this was a wonderful night, you know, but it wasn't a wonderful night for her. It was a wonderful night for me. Uh, no, we're beating her very badly. And I hear we're beating her very much in South Carolina. And I tell you, Tim Scott has been better. I said, you've been better for me than you've been for yourself. He became a dynamo. You know, he was a little bit low key when he ran for himself. For me, he has been incredible. I mean, he's been so yeah. he even got engaged to potentially be more palatable to MAGA world as a high up long and wonderful. Uh, one I of called few, him up. One I of few you're considering up. for vice president. Well, he's he's mean, on the he's list. One of a lot of yeah. names. We have a yeah. lot of great. We have yeah. a lot of great Republicans. Now, remember, Trump said a couple of weeks ago, I've already made my pick for VP. It's very interesting. Was that a lie? Because when Rob Schmidt says, are you considering him? Trump doesn't say what he said the other day on Fox News, which was, I've already decided who will be my VP. Did he change his mind? Was it a lie then? Is he obfuscating now? Who the hell knows? But, but I did. I called him. I said, you were much better for me than you were for yourself. You know, he, he's really he's done a very good job. Let me, let me ask you about the RNC. You know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of criticism. You know, the, the fundraising is an issue. Hasn't been a good past couple election cycles at all. 2022 should have been far better than it was. I think we can all agree on that. Is, is it time for Ronna McDaniel to step aside? Well, I think she knows that. I think she understands that. And, you know, as far as me is concerned, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I endorsed almost 100 percent of the Republicans that I. All right. So here Trump gets into the whole thing that's going on with Ronna McDaniel. Is she in? Is she out? Whatever. Uh, these are supposed to be easy interviews. And Trump only reveals he doesn't know what's going on. His instincts are still a disaster. He's lying constantly, lying, either lying before or lying now. And this is an easy interview. Never mind the ones where he gets confronted, which we've already discussed. Next, let's discuss what's going on with Senator James Lankford and Trump, because that's very, very interesting. A completely disheveled Trump denied that he endorsed Senator James Lankford in uh, 2022. We have the endorsement. Trump did endorse the guy. And then Lankford now seems to be on the attack or maybe it's on the defensive. I don't know. Trump was interviewed on the Dan Bongino show, completely whacked out interview. And listen to here where Trump denies ever having endorsed James Lankford in 2022, but he endorsed him. He endorsed the guy. We have it. Well, just uh, to correct the record, I did not endorse Senator Lankford. I didn't do it. Uh, he ran and I did not endorse him. Uh, so uh, I'm sure your person will be happy to hear that. But yeah, I think good. this is a very bad bill for his career, uh, and especially in Oklahoma. You know, I won in Oklahoma. He's senator from Oklahoma. I won 77 out of 77 counties. Ronald Reagan is second with 56. I won all 77 counties in Oklahoma. Though I know those people. They're great people. They're not going to be happy about this. 
nobody's going to be happy about this, but the people in Oklahoma are, you know, these are serious mega. These are serious people. They are not going to be happy about this, Dan, when they say this. This is crazy. This is lunacy, this bill. And you know what it is? It's a gift to the Democrats. I don't think so. Listen, um, Trump endorsed Langford in 2022. We have the endorsement. Here it is. It's dated September 27, 2022. Endorsement of James Lankford. The this is called the endorsement of James Lankford. Senator James Lankford ran a strong campaign against highly credible opponents who fought hard but ultimately were unsuccessful. James was strongly committed to America first, everything it stood for and committed to me as president. Sometimes we didn't exactly agree on everything, but we do now. He's a very good man with a fabulous wife and family, loves the great state of Oklahoma, is working very hard on trying to save our country from the disaster that it is in. Interestingly, I won Oklahoma 77 of 77 counties both times. So I have an obligation to do the right thing. Okay, so it's an endorsement, complete full throated endorsement. James Lankford appeared on CNN yesterday. They played a clip of Trump saying this and then asked Lankford, what is this all about? Take a listen. Just uh, to correct the record, I did not endorse Senator Lankford. Uh, he ran and I didn't endorse him. This is a very bad bill for his career. I don't know how a, a Republican senator can put can actually put a thing like this forth. So just to correct the record, um, Donald Trump did endorse you. Um, he did. But regardless of that, why do you think he's going after you and this border bill, considering this is the most, and I've been in this town for a lot longer than you have, this is the most conservative immigration compromise that I've ever seen come to this level. Previous efforts under Bush and under Obama were far more uh, permissive, far more liberal than this. Why do you think Trump's going after you? Yeah, I, I don't know, obviously, other than he, he has a different job than I have right now. His job right now is running for president, and so he's trying to be able to manage that. And obviously, a chaotic border is helpful to him in the process on that. This is all about what's best for Trump in November. Lankford knows it. By the way, I think Lankford is one of the worst Republicans in the Senate. On a personal level, I find him bizarre and creepy. On a policy level, he is the one of the most one of the most extreme right wingers. But he is accurately assessing that Trump's priority here is not to fix anything on the border. Trump's priority here is to do what is the best for Trump in November and quote fixing anything now, even if this bill wouldn't fix a thing. Uh, is a very, very bad thing for Donald Trump. Uh, one more clip. Here is Langford on Newsmax now defending the border bill once again. And I completely disagree with the politics of this guy, but his analysis of the bill from a political standpoint is accurate. Look, listen to this. I would also remind folks during the Trump administration, we also had days of more than 4,000 people that were illegally crossing the border under the Trump administration in 2019, and they were struggling because there's gaps and loopholes in the law. Yeah, this but Senator, you know, you know, that Donald Trump, so we were at a 45-year low in illegal right. crossings under Donald Trump, and, and that's that's just a fact. I, I've got the, the oh, no, evidence to dramatically fewer a, a 45 year low Trump under Donald Trump in 2019. We also had days of 3000, 4000, 4500 that were happening. But nothing like period. what we've seen right now. OK, let, let me just to figure out how to be able to implement <laughs> uh, Newsmax, as you can see, is very, very anxiously defending the Trump line and Langford just trying to say, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not sure about any of that stuff. OK, I'm sorry to talk over you, Senator. I think we might have a, a, a little bit of a delay. Yeah, there is certainly a delay there. Uh, Lankford's political instincts are disgusting. Langford, Langford's political uh, policy positions are absolutely backwards and extreme and ideologically based. But Lankford gets that this is about one thing and one thing only. This is about Trump trying to sever the tie to Lankford and Trump recognizing that if Lankford gets this done, which is good for him, it's good for Republicans based on what they believe needs to be done on immigration. It is a bad thing for Donald Trump. That is all that this is about. I have no idea as of this moment whether this bill will or won't pass. We'll know more in the next two to three days. I've had such trouble finding a great razor where I am not cutting myself or getting those nicks on my skin, which are so common with the cheap disposable razors. You have to meet our sponsor Henson Shaving. Henson actually manufactures parts for the International Space Station and the Mars rover. 
and they are bringing that exact same precision engineering to the shaving experience. It hurts when you shave because blades extend too far and thus they wobble slightly. But with their aerospace grade CNC machines, Henson is able to make metal razors that extend just 0.0013 inches. That's less than the thickness of a human hair, which means a secure, stable blade with the vibration free shave. It also has built in channels to evacuate the hair and the cream. No more clogs, no more rubbing your thumb on the razor to get the hair out. I use Henson at home. Shaving is a great experience now. Henson wants to be the best razor, not the best razor business, which means you only need to buy it once and it's awesome. Go to hensonshaving.com slash Pacman, add a razor and a hundred pack of blades to your cart, then enter the code Pacman to get the hundred blades for free. That is a three year supply. That's H-E-N-S-O-N shaving.com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. I'm very particular about my coffee and our sponsor trade coffee helps you do more in 2024. If you're like me, coffee might be part of your routine, maybe a factor in your productivity. Check out trade as your destination for better coffee at home. Subscribe to trade and start the year with amazing coffee. You'll discover new favorites. You'll support more than 55 local roasters across the country and you will upgrade your morning. And the best part is you can personalize all of it from the type of coffee you get, how often you get it delivered. They have decaf. If that's your preference, I recently got Orin's Colombian from New York, sweet and inviting, full bodied notes of pine. I actually love pine. Who knew pine is great. Every time I get a new shipment from trade, the quality and the taste is top notch. The convenience is it's just great. The coffee comes to my door instead of having to go find them. Whether you already know what you like or you're new to specialty coffee and want some help, trade just makes it easy to discover new coffees you will like. Show your loved ones how much you care with the gift of trade coffee for Valentine's Day. Right now through February 14th, trade is offering $10 off gift subscriptions. Go to drinktrade.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman 10 at checkout. That's drinktrade.com slash Pacman. Then use code Pacman 10 at checkout. That's Pacman 10 to get $10 off for Valentine's Day until February 14th. The info is in the podcast notes. Alina Habba, who was at one point Donald Trump's lawyer, then she ended up overseeing as his lawyer an $83.3 million award to E. Jean Carroll, Trump seemingly firing her at the same time. It is typical that on appeal you have different lawyers represent you. But is she still involved with Trump at all? Is she his TV lawyer? We just don't know. One point people were talking about Alina, Alina Habba, attorney general. That Alina Habba appeared on Newsmax looking absolutely terrible, disheveled, like we've never seen her, complaining about how Judge Kaplan warned her he would put her in jail and uh, saying all sorts of other crazy things. And there is a lot of interesting stuff here, which to me is just a reminder that Alina Habba, even when serving as Trump's lawyer, his real lawyer, right? Because Trump has TV lawyers and lawyers who try cases, et cetera. Even when serving as Trump's real lawyer, she was always more of, I guess we would call her an activist than an attorney. Take a listen to this and see if you can make heads or tails out of it. Right. I think they're seeing it. Um, I hope they're seeing it. You know, we have a judge that's trying to throw a civil attorney threatening me that he's going to put me in the clink, I believe was what he said, um, because I objected to his ruling on an evidentiary issue. It was a PowerPoint slide that helped prove our case. And he said, no, you're not allowed to bring it in. I'm sorry. And I said, Your Honor, I have to put something on the record. I completely disagree with you. The evidence rules don't say it. And his response was, sit down, Ms. Haba, or I'm going to put you in jail. If that is the point we are at as a country <laughs> where we are. This is a classic Trumpian move. The fact that she was completely out of order every day in court, filed motions incorrectly, didn't under seemingly didn't understand or ignored the rules of evidence. 
that is supposed to tell us that something is wrong with the country. This is like when Trump says, you know, if they can indict me, they could indict any of you. Yeah, we know that they invite, quote, normal people, indict normal people all the time. The, the question was whether they would indict someone who had been in a position of power like a president. Um, this is a classic game they play, which is self victimization. And it's the country is at stake. When I got told to sit down by the judge, what it said about where the country is is just terrible. Give me a break. Oh, uh, literally have this suffer from this Trump derangement syndrome, really, that it was it was like being in an epic twilight zone where no rules were allowed but for the other side. And then she goes out there and gloats and says she's going to buy France and a wardrobe and a motorcycle and this and that. E. Jean Carroll is allowed to buy whatever she wants with the money. The assertions made during the trial, you know, Haba's an attorney. She's an attorney, but this is not what law, law, actual lawyers functioning as lawyers wouldn't say something like this. Why does she have to do whatever with the money? Now, E. Jean Carroll has said we're going to do something good with the money. All right. She can do that or not. She can go out and attempt to buy France or Greenland or whatever. Uh, she can go buy clothes. It that's it's not relevant to whether Trump, by the standards of a civil suit, more likely than not, based on a preponderance of evidence, did the things he's accused of having done. It just doesn't make any difference. I want everyone to remember, and I said this in my closing argument to the jury, she's here to get a check. And after this, she will continue. She didn't care you know, about the defamation. She didn't. She cared about the publicity. And I argue that ad nauseum, unfortunately, when we were all nauseous from her arguments, that's for sure. You block a jury from seeing video footage, tweets that prove our case. When you block them from letting us have an expert, but they can have one. We were not allowed to have an expert. We tried twice. The judge wouldn't allow them in. Um, it is so obvious. And unfortunately, that jury in that silo wouldn't know that because they're not allowed on the Internet and they hear the rulings and they see a judge you know, putting an attorney down, then that that jury's going to believe whatever the judge. Yeah, is. God forbid the jury isn't allowed to watch Newsmax between days on trial. I mean, it's just crazy leading them to believe. And on appeal, those rulings will come up. The uh, one sidedness will come up and, and we will prevail. All right. So they probably will not win this on appeal, but obviously they're entitled to an appeal and it'll be sort of sort of interesting to see what happens. Um, asked about the initial five million dollar award. Uh, also an interesting moment during this interview was did I get this right that she was initially awarded five million dollars and they came For back sexual and, assault. And uh, then I want the world to remember something. We're in a planet. Yes. The world is paying really close attention to this. George Floyd got 40 something million people that have wrongful death get 10 million. But this jury awarded for defamation for a sitting president to deny an allegation to say, I didn't do that. I don't remember meeting this woman. And this actually works against sexual assault victims who are real victims. That's what his. It's really important to know she's lying again. The defamation was not. I didn't sexually assault her. I don't remember meeting her. It included saying that she was crazy, that she was lying that she's not attractive enough for Trump to want to sexually assault her, which is just a crazy, completely crazy thing. This is the caliber of folks that are working as Trump's lawyers. The criminal trials are going to be a real party if his criminal defense lawyers are anything like Alina Haba. We've been asking the question, will there be general election debates this time around? Trump has so far refused to participate in the Republican primary debates. Republicans are often saying Joe Biden has a brain that is functioning so poorly he wouldn't be able to debate. Believe what you believe about that. There is a question. Will there actually be debates this time around? And then all of a sudden, during an interview on the Dan Bongino show, Trump demands immediate debates against Joe Biden. Dude, you're not even the official nominee yet. What are you? You're still running a primary. But all of a sudden, Trump is pretending he would debate Biden. I'll tell you in a moment why I'm struggling to believe this. Because he can't talk. He can't do anything. He's ruining our country. And I don't think he's going to run. I don't know if it's donors or otherwise. It might be his family. It might be something. 
What does he mean? He's not going to he's running with he's already won a primary. What's he talking about? Not the entire primary. I'm just saying he's won primaries. I don't think he's yeah. going to run, but I'd like to yeah. go for immediately debates. I'd like to debate him now because we should debate. We should debate for the good of the country. So huh. I will officially on your show call. I will. Oh, wow. Also, Look at that. I also said We're breaking news, Mr. President. Donald J. No, no, Trump calls for debates against uh, Joe Biden. I mean, that's great. So we we can break some news here. Problems, Dan, and get him I love to- it. Change his ways, but I am officially doing that. I also put out, you probably. It's official when you say it on the Bongino show. We noticed that I'll take his spot at the Super Bowl if they want. We'll get very good ratings. Yes, I love it. Right. So the guy, Trump, who found every reason to avoid debates for months now, I'm winning by too much. I'm too busy. The channels hosting the debates aren't nice to me. The moderators aren't going to be fair, right? The, the guy who found every reason not to debate in the Republican primary and who has attacked the commission on presidential debates and suggested he may not even debate Joe Biden. Now, all of a sudden, he demands immediate debate before the conventions, before the primary is even over. Uh, Joe Biden was asked about this here. He is coming out of a uh, looks like a, a bubble tea place. I uh, love bubble tea. It's been a while since I had a good bubble tea. Those tapioca pearls, they just they're so good. Um, here's Biden asked about it, and he basically just shrugs and is like, all right. Donald Trump is ready to debate you right now. Do you accept? Okay, so Biden says Trump has nothing else to do. I'd want to debate, too, if I were him. Uh, They are trying to get Biden to fall into the trap of validating Trump as the Republican nominee when he is not yet the Republican nominee. And I know that there are many forces at play who want Nikki Haley out. They want her out. And part of Trump saying, let's debate now is Trump assuming the nomination. Now, he's not wrong to assume the nomination will eventually be his because there's every indicator that it will. But um, I, I would guess that if Joe Biden said, all right, let's debate. Let's do it. Trump would find suddenly some reason would pop up why he's not able going to do it. What I would love to see Biden say is, you know, as president, I don't typically debate private citizens. (laughs) And at least for now, Donald Trump is merely a private citizen. So there is not going to to be a debate at this point in time. Uh, Immediate debates. I would love to see it. I would be very surprised if Trump participates in any debates this time around. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here's a very strange question from a caller who seems worried I'm going to become the next Rudy Giuliani. I don't even know what this means. Take a listen. Hi, David. I get this really sick feeling that you're going to pull a Rudy Giuliani on us. And maybe once Trump is like no longer, you know, in the discussion or something and they move on from the current zeitgeist. Yeah. You might just like become like Rudy Giuliani and just like ruin your reputation and turn into this crazy person. Is there anything you can do to prevent that? I don't know uh, exactly what this person is talking about, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, it would take a lot. It would take a lot for me to end up becoming the next Rudy Giuliani. And a lot of what makes Rudy Giuliani what he is is that he is a failed lawyer at this point in time. Rudy actually, you know, I, I'm still reading this 800 page book by Selwyn Rabb about the history of the um, uh, Italian mob in the United States. And Rudy Giuliani plays a role during uh, quite a period of time as a prosecutor. And he was quite a prosecutor. He really was. And uh, part of becoming Rudy Giuliani, I think, is being a failed attorney. And so since I'm not an attorney, it's going to be hard for me to do that. But no, I'm going to try to avoid becoming the next Rudy. I don't want to be caught uh, on those weird videos like Sasha Baron Cohen caught him. I'm, I'm going to avoid a lot of elements of what Rudy has done on the bonus show today. I will reveal all from my weekend escape to the I believe we would call them the Dutch Antilles or the Netherlands Antilles. Am I saying that right? Which ones are they? Let's see. Island, the Netherlands Antilles and the I believe I was in Aruba. I believe Aruba is one of the Netherlands Antilles. 
or maybe no, maybe that's what it used to be called. Anyway, no, it's no longer called the Netherlands Antilles. It was dissolved. And now Aruba is part of the. Uh, <laughs> you know, I really should know where I went. No, it's the country of Aruba. It's a it was it's a constituent country of the kingdom of the Netherlands. You know, we're going to try to figure out it's the ABC Islands. There we go, along with Bonaire and Curacao. And they are the Leeward Antilles. That's where I was. I was in the Leeward Antilles. A lot of interesting stories uh, met a lot of David Pakman show viewers while in Aruba. And uh, I'll tell you about incidents on my flights and lots of other things. All right. So producer Pat will join me on the bonus show and uh, you can sign up at joinpacman.com. Normally, the bonus show is not about figuring out where I went. It's normally news and politics, but we're going to do kind of like a get back into it show today. And uh, if you are not lucky enough to have access to the bonus show, I'll be back with a new show tomorrow.